Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching people with Jesus. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. If you're new, I'm Kurt. I'm one of the pastors, and it is great to have you. Now, I was wondering, I don't know if it's just me, maybe it's some of you guys, but did anybody else eat too many Christmas cookies this year? Yeah, okay. Uh, too many sweet potatoes, too much ham. At this time of year, I am literally afraid to step on the scale. And I know that we're not supposed to like January because it's cold, but I sort of do like January because I can get a chance to get back into routine and get life back under control. And for me, that means three eggs and a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. And then it means a can of tuna and an apple and maybe some peanut butter for lunch. And then for dinner, it's venison or beef and then vegetables, all kind of boring stuff. But I eat it because I feel a lot better. And then I get a chance to exercise. And I I like this routine because that exercise and eating right sort of helps me feel better. Does anybody else have that kind of response in their life? Diet and exercise sort of helps? Yeah, thank you, doctor. So you're going to listen to the doctor right there. Now, with January being a time when so many people are getting back to the gym and getting back to their routines and focusing on physical fitness, Pastor Jordan and I, as we thought about this series for this next month and a half or so, we thought it would be good for us to talk about spiritual fitness. What does it mean to pursue spiritual health and a healthy spiritual lifestyle? Now, The truth is that many Christians wouldn't necessarily know what that looks like. And that's not because anybody has any bad intent, but typically we boil spiritual health down to being able to win a Bible trivia contest. Just they know a lot. But that's not true. A healthy Christian life isn't just what you know, but it's also how you live. It's what you do. Our information and our actions have to go together. So for the next uh, few Sundays, we're going to look at what a healthy Christian looks like and help build that definition in our mind because I think once we know what a healthy Christian looks like, we can begin to pursue a healthy Christian life. Years ago, uh, I was with a friend of mine. His name is Gary DeBach. He's the pastor of Big Rapids Evangelical Free Church in Big Rapids, Michigan, and we would get together and just sort of rub shoulders sometimes, and he was sharing with me about his definition of what a healthy Christian life looks like, and he boiled it down to six W's. If you have your outlines out, it's on the top there. It's a picture of a little guy I put together for you. Um, Healthy Christian life has six W's in it. Number one, it has the Word of God. Number two, it has worship. It has warmth. It has witness. It has works and it has wisdom. And then I put on your outline here a brief definition of what those all mean. Word. A healthy Christian knows God through the applied word of God under the direction and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Worship. A healthy Christian manifests a lifestyle of worship and prayer based on a close daily communion with God. Warmth. A healthy Christian engages in meaningful life-on-life relationships that reflect the love of God and leave people impacted and changed. Witness, a healthy Christian lives under the commission of Christ 
to win and grow disciples, integrating outreach into all aspects of life. Works. A healthy Christian builds up the body of Christ through their spiritual gifts and passions. And lastly, wisdom. A healthy Christian manages their skills, their money, and their time, putting them under the lordship of Christ. So for the next six weeks, we're going to take one of these W's each week and look at what it means to live in such a way that we're manifesting a healthy Christian life. And this morning, we're going to look at the first one, which is word. Why is Bible study essential for spiritual health? Now, when it comes to things that are important in this world, and that are valuable in this world, we think of maybe of things that are rare, things that if we're lost could be uh, never replaced, like the Mona Lisa. When it comes to things that are valuable, a lot of us think of money, maybe all the gold in Fort Knox. That's really of super high value. Others of us think of size. I was talking to a person after the service and it was talking about the skyscrapers in New York. I wonder, you know, like what's the value on one skyscraper? Those are things that are really valuable. But I'll tell you, if you offer any of those to a starving man, they will have no value at all. To a starving man, what's really important to them is the basics of life, like food and water the things that we have around us but are so essential for us to live. That's what's really important. Now, I would put before you that when it comes to spiritual things, the most important thing for us is the Word of God. Now, many of us have Bibles scattered throughout our house, but the Bible is essential for spiritual health and spiritual life. Without God's Word, we would not know God we would not be able to follow God and pursue God. God's word, if we look down here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, is, is like bread. But he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just as bread is essential for physical life every day, even though it's a very common thing, the word of God in our hearts, in our lives, is essential for spiritual life. Even though the word of God is, in one sense, for us, in our culture, a very common thing. So we're going to look at the word of God and why it is so important for spiritual health. First of all, we're going to look at um, what God does with the word of God in our life. Then we're going to look at, at the very end, how to get more of God's word into our life. And third, I'll give you a take-home assignment to evaluate your spiritual health in God's word and to challenge yourself to take the next step in building your spiritual strength. So the first thing we're going to look at is why is God's word so essential for our life? And it's this. Bible study is essential to know the truth in a world of lies and deception. Now, how many of you have been following these Twitter files, the things that Elon Musk is releasing? A few of you? Yeah, and what we are quickly learning is we really cannot trust our governments and we cannot trust the media. They are framing the information that we see in the news. They are formulating things. We don't necessarily know the truth anymore. We only know what they want us to know. We only know what they want us to hear. 
and information is filtered. So we're constantly facing lies and deception. And many times we find ourselves believing it. Well, in a world that is filled with lies and deception, God has given us his word and his word is completely different. The Bible is described as the truth. John 17, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You want to find out reality, like what the real problem is in the world, what's the problem in the human heart, and the only way to fix it, it's right here. It's not found on the internet. It's not found in some biased Harvard researcher. It's found right in God's word. It's called the truth, not the spin. I like it the way it says it in Psalm 119. The sum of your words is truth. This is an accounting term. Dan's my accounting guy. You know when you make a stack of numbers and you add them up, if one of those numbers is wrong, the sum is wrong at the end. This says the sum is truth. In other words, all parts of the Bible are true. Because not just parts of the Bible are true, but all parts are true. Because when you add it all up, you get the true answer at the end is what it's saying. Now, another one that's important about this is Colossians 1.5. This you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So not only is God's word true in a world filled with lies and deception, the gospel is true. The gospel that God loves us, that he sent his own son to take on human flesh, to live the perfect life we could not live, to die in our place for our sin on a Roman cross. Not only did he die for sin, but then he rose from the grave conquering death. And then the gospel message is that anyone who asks Jesus Christ to pay for their sin and who decides to have him be Lord of their life is completely saved from their sin. Not just in eternity, but they're made into literally new creations in this life here and now. That is the gospel message, which Paul says, by the way, it's true. Now, in the first century, a lot of people thought that was just sheer foolishness. The God of the universe took on human flesh. The God of the universe, like a sponge, sucked all of our sin to him and he died in our place. He came back to life. That just can't be true. But this is why Paul says the gospel is true. It did actually happen. It's a historical fact. Now, by the way, if you're a teenager or you're a young adult and you're with your friends and they hear that you go to church, they hear that you read your Bible, they hear that you pray and you believe in Jesus, I guarantee you that some of your friends are gonna laugh at you. Some of your friends are gonna say you're silly, you're you're foolish. You're not the first one for that to happen to. That was happening to people in the first century, not just people in your century. This is why Paul says, this gospel is the truth. In a world filled with spin, in a world filled with lies and deception, this is the one thing you can believe, which is why we must saturate our lives in it, constantly spending time in it. Think of it this way. If you knew there was a news outlet out there that didn't typically tell the truth, 
a news outlet out there that had an agenda, that always put a spin to every news article. Would you listen to it? Chances are you'd avoid it because you know that they're not being honest with you. And if you did listen to them for long enough, you start to believe their lies instead of being able to discern their lies. Well, I have to tell you, I cannot recommend to you a news outlet that always consistently tells the truth. But I can recommend to you a book that will always consistently tell you the unvarnished truth of life and what you need to know to please God. It's right here. Now, if we spend time listening to news all the time and the spin on the world out there, and we don't spend any time in this book, what's going to happen is over time we start to believe the lies and deception, which is why we have to regularly get back in this book to constantly recalibrate ourselves around what is right in a world where it's difficult to find what is right. So not only is Bible study essential to know the truth, but Bible study is essential, by the way, for spiritual growth. The Bible describes Christians as those who are born again. The idea is that we're little infants. We're, we're little children. Now, that means, guess what? We have to grow. And if we don't grow, something's wrong. In first service, we had the Sobotas who dedicated their child, and he said, you know, there's a little child. That child constantly wants to grow. If after 20 years, you're still changing that child's diaper and they haven't grown, something is completely wrong with the picture. You know, this is what the scripture says. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. What is the pure spiritual milk that God uses to bring us to maturity so we come out of Christian infancy? It's right here. It's the word. God's word is pure spiritual milk that makes us grow. Jeremiah 15 verse 16 describes God's word as food. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. Jeremiah says that God's word is not just milk to him, it is food to him, it is nutrition to him, it is strength to him. But it wasn't a terrible tasting food. It wasn't like trying to woof down raw oysters. Anybody try that one? I can't get them down. It wasn't like trying to get down uncooked liver. Can't do that. Sorry, the liver king may be able to, not me. No, God's word is a joy and a delight. Not just a, a, not a, not just a hard food to eat, but a joy to eat. Now, I just have to confess to you <clears throat> that I've recently had a Jersey Mike's addiction. Anybody else like Jersey Mike's? Okay. What I um, have spent probably far too much time there, and I sort of had to confess to Cindy about that. You know, I'm eating a Jersey Mike's, not at home. And she's like, well, why do you go there? It's like, because they have hot sandwiches. I love their hot sandwiches. I recommend number 56, by the way. Um, hold the jalapenos, extra veggies. That is magnifique. But when a cold day and I'm cold and I go into Jersey Mike's and they make me that tasty, warm, hot sandwich and it tastes so good as it goes down and it just feels like joy and delight and it's nutrition and it's strength. And that's what Jeremiah says, the word of God is to you and me. It's a joy to consume but it's food that gives us strength. 
matures us and grows us up in Jesus Christ. Paul also says this, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul says Christians are to grow, and he acknowledges it like a plant. It's like plants put down their roots. Plants grow up. Plants are established. That's what we're supposed to be. And how do we grow? By the word of God that grows us up. Paul says this to the Ephesian elders. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul says, I'm going now. I won't be around you now. I won't be here to help you. I won't be here to guide you. But I tell you what will do that for you. God's word will build you up and give you your inheritance among the saints. This is what you need, he says, for spiritual maturity. Now, folks, babies are nice. Babies are cute. But as I said, if after 20 years you're still changing the diaper, something is radically wrong. Christians, when we come to Christ, when we trust in Christ, we must grow in Christ and become more like him by consuming this word. It's the foundation, the beginning of a healthy spiritual life. If after 20 years we haven't matured in Jesus, something is radically wrong. Well, we've seen God's word is essential to know the truth. We've seen God's word is essential for spiritual growth. But here we see the Bible study is essential for victory over sin. I mean, all of us struggle with temptation. All of us struggle with sin. How do you find victory over temptation? How do we get victory over sin? Well, let me tell you, one of the reasons we often don't find victory over sin is we're fighting sin with the wrong weapon. One of the most powerful weapons we can use in our battle against sin and temptation is the word of God. God's word, when we've put it in our mind, when we've memorized key important verses of scripture, or even if we know just certain key phrases of scripture, the Holy Spirit will bring those Bible verses to mind when we face temptations in our life. This is what the scripture says in Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, as a pastor, I've been studying God's word for years. And what I find is when I face temptations or when I'm with somebody and they're talking to me about some of the struggles that they face, the Holy Spirit is consistently bringing back to my mind different verses of scripture that would apply to the situation either that I'm facing or that somebody else is facing. And I'll tell you one that happened recently. I was counseling a person who had recently visited our local strip club and they were dealing with that. And as I'm listening to the story, what came to mind was a verse in Matthew and I'm gonna read it to you. This is what it says. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, Jesus says, it matters what you look at. 
what you look at can be a good thing and it can fill your whole body with life and strength. Or you can look at things that are inappropriate, bad things, like the lady at the strip club. And it's not just going to be something you look at in your eye, but it's going to fill your whole body, your whole life with darkness and misery and pain. That's what the scripture says. It matters what we look at. And you see how the Holy Spirit takes Bible verses or even little phrases that we've remembered in our, in our mind and brings them back at times when we face temptation, which is why we have to constantly be cycling God's word through our mind every day so it's fresh in our life, so we remember God's word for the temptations we face. Here's another great one, 1 John 2, verse 14. John writes, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. He says, here's some young men and these guys, they're strong and they have overcome the evil one. They have not fallen to the temptations of young men that Satan has put in front of them. And why is that, that they are so strong? And how are they avoiding the temptation? The word of God, John says, abides in them. Young men, do you want to be strong? You want to turn away from the temptations that Satan will put your way? Flood your mind with the word of God and he will use it to give you spiritual victory. So you've seen God's word. It tells us the truth in a, lie of, in a world of lies and deception. God's word is a secret to spiritual growth. God's word enables us to turn away from sin. Here we see Bible study is essential to serve God effectively. Bible study enables us to serve God do God's work, and to do God's work God's way. Are you familiar with Moses in the Old Testament? Moses, to me, is what I would call a larger-than-life character. Think about this. The guy is used by God as part of bringing plagues, like crazy levels of plagues, bringing a nation, the nation of Egypt, to their knees. Then he's used by God for parting the Red Sea and bringing another nation across that on dry ground. Then he's used by God to go up Mount Sinai and get the Ten Commandments. Comes down, he spends so much time with God, he's glowing like a light bulb. Anybody else in the Bible done that? That's pretty unique. He writes the first five books of the Old Testament. He leads Israel for 40 years. Talk about a long-term leader. Actually, he leads them longer than 40 years, technically. But imagine if your job was to take his place. Imagine you had to fill his shoes. Anybody think they couldn't measure up? I think everybody would think they couldn't measure up. Yet that was Joshua's task, to be the leader for the next generation. Now, what did God say to Joshua he needed to do to lead a nation successfully and to fill Moses' shoes? Was it to take a class on management at the local community college? Was it to start listening to the Dave Ramsey podcast? No, it wasn't. This is what Joshua was told to do. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Joshua Keep your finger in the text. 
constantly, day and night. This book will tell you the truth you need to lead my people well. You drift from this book, it will not end well. That's the way it should go. Now if getting the word of God into the life of Joshua was essential for him leading effectively, imagine what it would do for us. The word of God is make what makes us successful husbands and successful wives. The word of God is what helps us to be a, a better father. It's what helps us to be a better mother. At work, it's the word of God that helps us to be a, a, a better boss. It helps us to be a better employee. The word of God is what we need to be able to lead well. Now, Paul says this to Timothy. But if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. If you realize it, but Paul had a number of young people he was raising to take his place in the next generation after he was gone. There's a number of them found through Scripture. Uh, but there are two that he writes letters to that we have in Scripture. One is Timothy, where we have First and Second Timothy. Another is Titus. And he's instructing these men on how to be successful pastors. And he says here in this verse to young Timothy, you've been trained in the word of God. Now you want to be a successful servant of God, a successful pastor? Put the word of God before the people of God. Because that's what you need to know and that's what they need to hear. So the, the secret for success in, in whatever God, task God has given us to do is the word of God in our life. Another thing, the Bible, Bible study is essential for happiness. Did you know that? Many of you know that my father lives with Cindy and I. My father is just short of 90 years old. One of the things we've learned is when you're 90 years old, you watch a lot of television. I mean, he like just watches YouTube and he watches different news stories at night. And so I'll go in at night and I'll be with him a little bit and he's always watching the news. And I said, Dad, how can you watch the news and then go to bed? I mean, I'd have nightmares. We have like crazy inflation, government corruption, war in Ukraine. I mean, even the weather report recently has been all bad news. So how can you do that? I mean, I would end up depressed. Well, the good news is I have an antidepressant for you. And you don't have to go to Todd Gerking's drugstore uh, to, go, to go pick it up. You don't need a prescription for it. Any one of us can take it. In fact, I'd recommend you take it every single day. It'll bring joy to your life, and I guarantee happiness to your heart. It's this. The Word of God brings happiness to our life. You say, prove that one to me. Let's go to Psalm 1. First two verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The verse begins with the word blessed. That's an older word, and we don't use that today, so the significance of what it means is not really well conveyed. If you look the Hebrew word up behind that, you look in the dictionary, it says, 
blessed, also translated happy. Happy is a person who turns away from sinners and makes their delight the law of God and who meditates on it, who thinks about God's word day and night. It'll just bring joy. It'll bring happiness to your life and to your soul. So I like what it says here in another verse, uh, Psalm 19, describing how the, God's word brings joy to our life. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Let me just bring you you through a few of the results of God's word that I underlined here. God's word, it revives your soul. Anybody here ever face a time when they're depressed? They're overwhelmed. They're worn out. You look at life and it's just too much. You don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Go to God's word. It revives your soul brings life to your heart is what the scriptures say. Anybody here uh, felt like they're just not smart enough for life? Not adequate for the challenges of life? or just a, just a simple person? I feel that way all the time. I can tell you how you can be wiser. I can tell you how you can be smarter. Go to this book. This book makes simple people wise may not have done well in school, but you can be really wise through life with the guidance of the scriptures. Here's another one. It rejoices the heart, which means joy to our life. That's Psalm Psalm, uh, chapter one, verse one, all over again. God's word makes you happy. And then it says this, God's word also, also enlightens the eyes. Now, what does that mean? If you've been at Crossman's for any for a longer length of time, you know that I didn't used to wear glasses. I used to be able to see everything. And I was really good that way. But then, you know, when you hit middle age, all of a sudden you can't read a book anymore. And I can't see a screen. And I'm squinting all the time. And I put these glasses on my face and I can finally see. But there's something else that is going with my eyes. It was I don't see things as well in the dark like I used to. Cindy used to always say to me, why don't you turn the light on? And I would say, because I don't need to. I could see things. But now I need lots of light. I I have a snowblower, and I was trying to find the grease nipples and the snowblower to grease it before I took it out for some snow. And I have the lights on in my garage. I have the windows, like the shades are up, and I still cannot find the grease nipples on my snowblower without a flashlight. Because I need lots of light to see things and to be able to discern what's actually going on on that snowblower. Well, here's what the scripture does. In life, you'll face challenging situations, difficult choices. You'll wonder what people's motivations are. You'll wonder what the right decision is. Go to the word of God. It enlightens your eyes. In other words, you can finally start to see people clearly. 
You can finally start to see problems clearly, challenges clearly. It throws light on the situation. That's what God's word does for us. So, God's word, it's essential for us to, be, to have happiness. Here's another thing. Bible study is essential to be a good counselor. This past week was a great week at Awana. I think Jess will say yes. It was drive-in movie night, right? Drive-in movie night is great. Uh, Matt and Jess, they were up here in this room. I was down in the gym for drive-in movie. I was with the little kids. And I, the best part was I got to sit next to my wife, Cindy. And it was dark. And we're watching the movie. And I even held her hand a little bit, like a drive-in movie date. Really cute. Um, we were watching an animated movie on Joseph and the story of Joseph. And at the end of the movie, Cindy leans over and says to me, you know, I really wish they would have put Genesis 50 verse 20 right there as they closed the movie. Just put it on the screen for the kids to know. And some of you say, Genesis 50 verse 20? I don't know that one. Let me read it to you. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph says to his brothers, you meant it for evil when you sold me to be a slave in Egypt. But God took your evil plans, turned them on their head, and used it for good to save many lives. The evil deeds done against you will not thwart God's plans for you. That is a super important point to remember. That's not just true for Joseph, it's true for your life and my life as well. Honor God, please him, and no matter what evil things people do to you, that will not destroy the plans, the good plans that God has for you. Now for us in our family, that verse, became very significant at various points in our life. There were times where people uh, had said some really hurtful things about our family, things that weren't true uh, about us. And we were, I was accused of things that didn't have anything to do with. It was very difficult. And Cindy and I would go to that verse, and we would hold on to that verse and say, no matter what kind of evil deeds people are doing to us, we know we can trust the Lord will take care of us and still do through our life whatever good things he has planned. And God's word encouraged us. But then I turn around and find myself sharing that word of encouragement from Genesis 50 verse 20 with other people as they're going through hard times. And by the way, that's exactly what God wants us to do. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This is the way it works. We go through difficult times in our life. We're in our Bible. And God takes a verse and he uses it to encourage us, to sustain us, and to strengthen us in those difficult times. He brings us through. We find ourselves on the other side and we're talking to somebody else who is going through a difficult time in their life. And what do we do? We bring that scripture verse back out and we share it with them. Folks, we want to be good counselors. 
effective counselors who doesn't just share our story, but shares the power of God's story, we have to have this book running through our lives. So God comforts us with it, and then we can comfort others with it. Number seven, Bible study is essential for the conviction of sin. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof and for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I just want to focus on these two words, reproof and correction. God's word has a unique role it plays. It shows us what we're doing wrong, and then it directs us into doing what is right. Has anybody ever been reading God's word? And all of a sudden, maybe you get to a passage that talks about forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit just takes those verses and smacks you upside the head with them. It's like, yeah, you have an issue here. Remember that person you've been trying to not think about? That person that you have to now go and make a phone call to? the person you need to say, hey, I'm sorry to, the person I need to restore the relationship with, because God's word shows us what we've done wrong, and then it directs us into what we do right. If we don't spend regular time in this word, consuming this word, we often don't see our sin, and we miss out on the opportunity to repent of our sin and do what is right, which is why we must always have this book in our life. Lastly is this, Bible study is loved by genuine Christians. Look how it's, what it says genuine Christians think about God's word. Psalm 119.47, For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. And then in verse 48, I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. And then verse 20, 127, Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. He says, if I had a choice between winning the lottery and having a Bible, if I could only have one or the other, I would take a Bible any day. That's how valuable this book is. It is the book that God uses to show us the truth in a world of lies and deception. It's the book that God uses to grow us up. It's the book that God uses to bring us happiness when we're sad. It's the book that God uses for all kind of good things in our life. Now, I've tried to just sort of make a case as to why a healthy Christian must constantly have the scripture in their life, not just on Sunday morning as myself or the other pastors teach it, but on our own reading God's word. Now, let me just talk about the other side. How can I get this Bible into my life? Here are some real practical applications. Number one, schedule time for Bible reading. We schedule everything else, schedule doctor's appointments, we schedule hair appointments, we schedule a time for breakfast to make sure we eat it, right? So schedule a time for Bible reading. Now, some of us will say, well, I've tried that. It doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work is we don't make it an essential part of our schedule. You schedule time for breakfast, right? Because if you don't schedule time for breakfast, you will not be able to live. You won't be healthy. You won't be strong. But remember, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Just as your breakfast is essential for physical life, your breakfast in God's word is essential for spiritual life. We have to see God's word is essential or we won't schedule it. Number two, make a plan to read the Bible. I like to go to the gym, but if I walk into the YMCA and I don't have a piece of paper in front of me, tell me what exercises I'm going to do, how many sets I'm going to do, how many reps I'm gonna do. If I don't have a plan, I'm lazy. Quite honestly, I go right to the hot tub. I mean, why work out? You know, <laughs> I get tired and that's it. So I have to have a plan when I go in the gym, but I'd also say we also have to have a plan when it comes to reading the Bible. Now, I would encourage you, if you haven't done this already, get on the church app, look up groups, take up and read, and join the take up and read group. We are working through the New Testament, reading it in one year. It's just five chapters a week, one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, will bring you through the entire New Testament in a year. That's manageable. That's an easy plan. In fact, all the reading cards for the year are up there on the Take Up and Read group. You can download them now, January through December. Number three, read the Bible repetitiously. Now, some of you are like me in the sense that you read the Bible and then you walk away and you forget what you read in the Bible. Anybody do that one? Oh, yeah. Here's what I recommend. Take that chapter you're reading, read it two times, or maybe read it three times. Maybe read it four times. Read it enough so you remember it. I used to always tell my children, repetition is the mother of all learning. If we repeat things, we eventually learn things. Number four, study Bible topics. We have some really cool Bible apps nowadays. You could look up anger, like give me all the verses that have the word anger in it. They're right there. Give me all the verses that have the word sin in them. They're right there. Study Bible, the Bible topically. That'll help you understand topics. Number five, memorize the Bible. Some of you know that I'm involved in an Iron Man group. I'm one of four guys. We did 5.15 on Wednesday. And what we do is we hold each other accountable for memorizing one Bible verse a week, a verse of our own choosing that we text in our group text each other to hold each other accountable, and then we say that verse to our group. Now, we do that because that way we actually commit ourselves to memorizing something in the Bible. Do we do it perfectly? No. But I'll tell you this, we're memorizing more Bible verses that way than if we weren't in an Iron Man relationship. Proverbs, Psalm 127, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's why we're in an accountability relationship. What I would encourage you is if what God is gonna call you today to take your next step in Bible reading is to start memorizing some scripture. Find, if you're a guy, find another man, even if it's just one other man who will do an Iron Man relationship with you. If you're a lady, just find one other woman. That's, I guess that we call it an Iron Woman relationship. Or you know, get in a relationship It's two, three, maybe even four people that you'll hold each other accountable to memorizing one verse of scripture a week. If you want to learn more about Iron Man relationships and how they work, talk to me after the service and I'll be glad to tell you more. And lastly, get involved teaching the Bible. Because when you teach something, you have to learn it and grow in it. Well, here's the last step I have for you. You noticed in the back, uh, I give a little self-evaluation sheet. What I want you to do is when you go home today, 
pick up that self-evaluation sheet and evaluate yourself. Where am I at when it comes to the word of God? Where am I at here and what is the next step I need to take? Maybe you need to start by at least making time to read. Maybe you need to make a plan to read. Uh, maybe what you need is you need to start reading repetitiously. So you get, don't just read the Bible, but you actually start to remember the Bible. Maybe the step that you have to take next is you actually have to start memorizing verses, not just reading verses. I don't know what the next step is for you, but my challenge is to find out what it is from that little self-evaluation sheet and take it because the only way we can be a healthy Christian, the only way we can be a happy Christian, the only way we can be a growing Christian, a Christian that knows and lives the truth is by this word flowing through our life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word which tells us truth in a world full of spin. The word that helps us um, be wise counselors because you counsel us through the word and then you enable us to counsel others through the word. Thank you for your word giving us the leadership skills we need to face the challenges we have at work the challenges we have at home. Everything we need is found through the word as we depend and walk with you. May we be people at Crosswinds who keep our finger in the text, not just on Sunday, but in every day as we get the word of God consistently in our life. And all God's people said, amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. A complete archive of sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thank you for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.